Restrained, sensitive, politically correct. The Damon Hayhow Podcast. A delicate contemplation of nutrition, of weight training, of body recomposition, of fitness being shitness. Welcome to the Damon Hayhow Podcast, where I foolishly shoot my mouth off with no planning or foresight or filter whatsoever. Today's topic is going to be blood tests, and I'm going to be talking, as always, uh, from the perspective of a strength athlete slash bodybuilder, and that's quite a different perspective to your average GP and doctor. But what would I know about blood testing anyway? Well, I actually happen to read hundreds and hundreds of blood tests every single year uh, because I run a little business called Recomp Medical, which I started with the late, wonderful Dr. Laurie Williams, who uh, was one of the most respected physicians in Melbourne and uh, owned several um, private hospitals. And together we built a set of anti-aging protocols and I built the training program to bring new consultants into the business. And anyway, the point is uh, I read lots of blood tests and the people that I tend to deal with are strength athletes, bodybuilders and, and otherwise healthy people who are looking to be a little bit better than absolute rank mediocrity. So this is a really important point to start with. Blood tests are all based off the normal range. So if you go to your doctor and you and you get your blood tests back, he's going to be talking to you from the perspective of how you measured compared to the normal or the reference range. Now, this range is not a range that was created to, you know, to uh, be the best that a human being can be. This range is literally what the name suggests. It's a normal range. But more worrisome than that is the fact that the the normal people are the people that the labs themselves happen to test. They didn't go and um, research a bunch of healthy people and say, well, this is what normal is. No, what, what they've done is they've taken the results of the people they happen to test, which means sick people if you put two and two together, and they've gone, this is what normal is. Now, worse than that is the fact that if you you know look at the statistics for Australia, you go your average Australia Australian is sedentary, obese, or at least overweight, and quite likely statistically to die of cancer or heart disease. So when you go to your doctor and he says that you're not healthy, he's saying that you don't measure the same as sick people who are even more likely to die of heart disease or cancer. Hmm probably not really what you had in mind when you said you want to be healthy and they tell you that healthy means measuring the same as sick sedentary obese people who are likely to die of heart disease or cancer. So anyway, getting on with it, if we go into the first of the of the blood tests, the normal sort of tests that you'll see, you'll get the liver function test. And the first numbers that come up are generally the electrolytes, pretty boring stuff there, and most of them are generally normal. But then you're going to come into the liver function, sorry, the kidney function tests. And the first number there that's of interest to us is the urea number. Because urea is the byproduct of protein metabolism. And if you're any sort of recreational or competitive bodybuilder, then chances are you're eating a little bit more protein than the average fat Australian slob who's going to die of heart disease. And that is why your urea level will probably be elevated from the norm. In fact, if your urea level isn't elevated from the norm, that could be an indication that you 
might do well with a bit more protein in your diet. I dare not say that you would because, you know, someone will probably sue me, but that's how I would look at it. Unfortunately, your doctor won't look at it the same as that. Your doctor can't differentiate between you eating more protein than the average person and a really sick person with borderline kidney failure. And this is why doctors have said to me personally that, you know, my kidneys are functioning at 10%, which in of itself is an interesting number that they that they bring up. You know, I, I don't know what this 10% number is based on, but it sounds like I'm 90% of the way to kidney failure. And they warn that, you know, there is p- pending kidney failure there because my urea levels are so high. This has been the case for the last 26 years, and yet still I haven't had any kidney problems and I haven't had any kidney stones and I uh, don't pee brown or or blood or anything else abnormal at all. I'm completely fine. Every single one of our clients that we've put onto a high-protein diet winds up with a urea level, usually between 9 and 11, top of the range is 8. So that's the first number that you're going to look at and that's the interpretation that you should take into consideration. Urea does not mean that you're going to die of kidney failure. It might just mean that you eat more protein than the average person. Moving on, the next test is the creatinine test. And again, in a person about to die of kidney disease, it's possible that their creatinine levels can be highly elevated. They can also be highly elevated if you happen to take any supplements containing creatine. So again, Unfortunately, doctors don't differentiate between a person about to die of kidney failure and a person who has creatine in their diet elevating their creatinine levels. If you've got creatine in your diet, don't worry about it. You're probably going to be fine. Moving on through the test, get to the liver enzymes and particularly your ALT and AST. Um, These enzymes proteins are actually produced by muscle tissues put into trauma, like, say, by a heavy weights workout. So the top of the range here is generally about 40, depending on the lab that that runs the tests. And it is not unusual for a person who's done a heavy deadlift or squat workout to be reading over 100 the day after that workout. It's not actually got anything to do with your liver whatsoever. It's not your liver processing anything. It's the muscles have created the ALT and the AST being read in your blood. It's completely normal. It's completely fine. It's not a problem. But again, your doctor won't see it that way. Mainly what I've heard, both myself personally and then as feedbacks from from clients and patients, has been doctors claiming that the protein powder that we are using is actually causing massive liver strain, which is really kind of bizarre because, well, protein's processed by your kidneys and there's not any research I'm aware of that has said that protein powder causes liver failure. But why let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? So again, if your uh, ALT and AST are elevated, uh, it's, it's not really that much of a concern up to a certain point. People on Nurofen and using Nurofen a few times a day for a couple of weeks for any kind of pain, it's not unusual to see their ALT and AST increase into the 300s. A person who's had a really, really big night on the Terps and then gone in for a blood test, they can register almost as high as 1,000 on the test. So if you see this little blip on the ALT, AST, chances are your liver's not going to fall out anytime soon. 
Moving down the test, usually we'll get to the lipid profile now. Now, this really deserves a podcast all in of itself. Cholesterol, LDL, HDL, and triglycerides. First of all, it's important to realize that the top of the range for total cholesterol used to be about 6.5. It then mysteriously got dropped to 5.5, and nobody that I've spoken to seems to be able to point to any reason why suddenly human beings were meant to have lower cholesterol than that, uh, than the 6.5. There is a conspiracy theory out there, and you know, conspiracy theories must be ridiculous because they'd be suggesting that the honest, ethical, wonderful pharmaceutical companies might do something dishonest, and surely not. But the conspiracy theory goes that the pharmaceutical companies lobbied to have the cholesterol level lowered in order to sell more statins, which are the high the most profitable best-selling drug in the history of mankind despite the fact that there is absolutely no reduction in mortality rates from people with high cholesterol who then lower their cholesterol with statins anyway moving away from that topic cholesterol i describe for the simple explanation as like the oil temperature gauge in your car if it's high it's telling you there's something wrong with the engine. If you want to see it go down, you open the hood and you fix the engine. Turning the oil temperature gauge down in your car doesn't fix the problem with your engine and your engine will still blow up. And the proof that this analogy is pretty relevant in this case is the fact that if you go on medication to lower your cholesterol levels, well, you don't actually lower your chance of your engine failing and you dying. The mortality rate's the same. So what does it mean? Well, what it means is that if your cholesterol level is really, really high, like over 10 or something like that, then yeah, chances are something's wrong. It's been my experience that usually what's wrong is pretty bloody obvious because most of the time people with ridiculously high cholesterol are leading pretty bad lives. Drinking lots of booze, eating lots of bad food, not really looking after themselves, not sleeping, etc., etc. How do you fix the problem? Well, you stop drinking the booze and you start eating a bit better and you start having some sleep at night. Pretty much as simple as that. LDL and HDL are interesting fellows. To put this in the most simplistic of terms, HDL, which the doctors refer to as good cholesterol, is the lipoprotein that carries the cholesterol out of the cells. To those of us who are strength athletes, we can think of it as the catabolic side of the equation. So to doctors, catabolic equals good. LDL, low-density lipoprotein, and particularly the VLDL, the very low-density lipoprotein, tends to be carrying the cholesterol into the cells. And from a weight training perspective, again, that looks a lot like being in an anabolic state. And I say that because cholesterol is a repair substrate. It's used to, basically, it holds your cells together. It holds together every cell and every mammal on the planet. Cholesterol is not there to kill you and clog your arteries. It's actually, it's a, it's a structural element in, uh, in human beings and in every single mammal on the planet. So the theory goes that when an athlete takes anabolic androgenic steroids and they see the HDL go uh, down and the LDL go up, that's indicative of heart disease because 
if you were a fat, sedentary slob not on steroids, you would also see HDL come down and LDL go up, and that tends to lead to heart disease. Hmm. If you can see a slight difference between a hard training, sports nutrition, uh, eating strength athlete on steroids and a completely sedentary slob stuffing his face with crap while doing absolutely nothing, then bravo to you. I can see the difference too. Doctors can't. Basically, when we see the worsening lipid profile in steroid users, what we are seeing is a pretty clear picture of being in an anabolic state. The catabolic side of the equation goes down, the anabolic side goes up. We're talking about a repair substrate that has been linked to muscle growth in terms of cholesterol. So if you happen to be a bodybuilder or strength athlete, and if you happen to be supplementing with testosterone, and you see a, in inverted commas, worsening of your lipid profile, just understand that the picture may not be exactly how your doctor is interpreting it. Doctors are paid to interpret things from the perspective of non-athletes, and their job is to make people measure the same as normal, remembering that normal is sick, fat, sedentary, and probably going to die of heart disease or cancer. Moving on, the last test in the lipid profile are the triglycerides. And triglycerides are a really quite important thing, certainly compared, I believe, to um, cholesterol. Triglycerides are the storage form of fats, meaning it's the three fatty acids linked to a glycerol, and that's how it should be inside your fat cells, not floating around inside your blood. It's pretty kind of simple, really. In the real world, it's a case of elevated triglycerides 99% of the time are simply indicative that you eat too much garbage. And I don't think I need to clarify what I mean by garbage. It's just crap. Um, the way to bring triglycerides down, stop eating so much garbage. It's really as simple as that. Triglycerides being elevated, you'll get hysterical uh, hysterical stories about um, uh, fatty liver syndrome and blah, blah, blah. Honestly, for any kind of bodybuilder or strength athlete who's getting to that point, that point where their triglycerides are even above three, it's like you should be ashamed of yourself for eating that badly. Get them down. Ideally, they should be under one. They can go as high as sort of 1.5, but even that's kind of telling you something's a little bit bad. Okay, so that ends part one of this podcast. I think the rest of the uh, the blood test in terms of hormones I'm going to put into another episode. So stay tuned for that, but I certainly hope that helps you look at blood tests in a slightly different light. The Damon Hayhow Podcast on damonhayhow.com.